Welcome to the Piggy Bank Chronicles, a podcast about saving, investing, and living your best life. Welcome to episode 43 of the Piggy Bank Chronicles, a book review. I have been excited to get to you guys and talk about this book from the moment I started reading. Within probably the first two chapters, I'm like, this is a book that I need to share with other people because they're going to get really excited about it. But before I jump into it, which is going to be really soon, I want to give you guys a little bit of background because I've done two other book reviews before and I think we need to put those books in context to this one. The first one I did was back in episode 11. We talked about J.L. Collins' The Simple Path to Wealth. I gave that book a 5 out of 5. And I think it's a really good book. I think it's got a lot of great information. I think it's a very specific, direct methodical kind of approach to how you would build wealth, and I think it's a really worthwhile book to read. It's not the be-all, end-all, but I, I think it's really solid. I gave it a 5 out of 5. If you haven't read that book, you should think about going back and checking it out. The second book review I did was in episode 17, which was The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. Those of you who know who Morgan Housel is will remember he was a longtime contributor at The Molly Fool, and now he's on a solo writing career and that was sort of his first big book. I actually listened to the audiobook for both of these. The first one was the author J.L. Collins did the audio for his book. The Psychology of Money was done by Chris Hill who was a longtime anchor for the Molly Full Money podcast. Chris has recently retired to move on to other pursuits but I enjoyed the book because he did it, and I enjoyed the book because Morgan's a good writer. Now, I will say I didn't give that book a review. Don and I went over it together. I'm not sure in retrospect what score I would give it, so I'm going to reserve giving it a score. I may go back and revisit that at some point. But I guess I just wanted to give you guys context because it's been a while. It was episode 11 and 17. We're all the way forward now in episode 43, and we're going to be jumping into a new book review. I think this book is really good, and I think it's the kind of book that young people should be reading across the country, if not the world. This book has got some really solid practical advice, not just on finance and investing, but on a perspective of life that I think a lot of us, whether we're fortunate or unfortunate, depending on your point of view, don't get to experience. So the author has a unique set of experiences. She and her husband brought that to this book, and I think it really shines through. So I'm going to jump in. I'm going to tell you about this new book that I'm really excited. So here we go. So the title of the book we're talking about is Quit Like a Millionaire. It's by Christy Shin and Bryce Luing, and it's copyright 2019. So it's a fairly new book within the last four years. I just encountered it recently on a recommendation on Amazon, was drawn to it a little bit by the cover and the theme and sort of dove into it because I was bored and I needed something to read ahead of the holidays last year. Man, did this book grab my attention. It's, it's, a, it's a fiction book, a nonfiction book, what am I saying? It's a nonfiction book of the kind that we don't get to hear or see that often because it's written from an individual's perspective. It's a very transparent, tell-all kind of book that talks about her and her husband's financial journey relatively young in life compared to most uh, people that might be listening to this. They are, I want to say, in their maybe 30s. They maybe worked for 10 years out of college, and they moved on to 
and I don't want to spoil the book for you, but uh, financial freedom. And so the way the book is structured is it's broken down into three sections. The first section they call poverty, the second section they call the middle class, and the third section they call becoming wealthy. And each of those sections is sort of a deep dive, if you will, into a different aspect of kind of what they were going through in their lives. So in the poverty section, Christy talks about being young and growing up in China. And as a child in China, she experienced what we in the West would describe as pretty stark poverty. And that shaped a lot of her mindset about money. She goes into the fact that what she appreciated about that is not that it she felt like she was downtrodden, but she felt like it built up a resilience inside of her and the ability to fight for what she wanted to achieve. Now, there are different paths to wealth, and there are some people who may not find the path to wealth through education and employment. They might find a path to wealth through being an entrepreneur. In Christie's case, for her, she very much focused on getting an education, becoming an employee, saving up money and driving towards financial freedom. And so the book is kind of in that vein. So she talks in the early part of the book about how she viewed her college education as something where she wanted to focus on what was the, the, the return on capital invested, what was the value of the degree that she was going to get in terms of the cost it was going to be to her to get it. So that was a really interesting way to look at school. She said, don't follow your passion yet. Follow the money first, and then when you've reached financial independence, then you can pursue whatever passion you want. In these early chapters, she talks about debt. She talks about the fact that coming up from an impoverished background gave her the mindset that no one was coming to save her, that she was in this by herself on her own with her partner at some point, but ultimately you had to do it yourself. You had to pull yourself by, up by your own bootstraps. It's a really great sort of setting the stage for the mindset she had, the early struggles she faced getting to where she wanted to be, and kind of that whole, what she called the poverty section. Then she transitions in the book into what she calls the middle class section, part two of the book. And here she talks about sort of some of the challenges that folks in the American middle class would face, this idea of consumerism, this idea of, you know, is my home an investment or not? What do I do about investing? All the challenges that you and I faced, she and her husband ran into exactly the same challenges. And there are some killer ideas in here. And I want to, I want to go on record as saying I am 100% in agreement with this book. There's, there's a chapter in there on your house is not an investment. And I know this is a controversial topic. I agree with their point of view completely. I don't think your house is an investment. It's an asset, but it's not an investment. There's a chapter in there that I loved that she talked about the real bank robbers. Her foray into opening her first brokerage account, dealing with a local bank, and the fact that it isn't what you think it is, and these financial professionals aren't who they really present themselves to be. That Their success of the, the, the relationship comes from the money that you're giving them, whether or not you succeed. So I think that's just an outstanding chapter. I think it's chapter 10 in the book. And then she talks other things about how to deal with stock market crashes. She talks about taxes. She talks about, you know, just sort of the idea of saving and investing. These chapters to me really spoke to me because a lot of what Christy was talking about 
was right in line with my own philosophy on money. So this book really, it, it kind of hooked me early on, but it really kept me hooked through the second, second part of it. And then they transition into the third part of the book, which they describe as becoming wealthy. And here, and I say they, I think it was a co-authored book, but a lot of the writing of the book is written kind of in Christie's voice. So it's, it's her speaking. And so I think of it as her writing the book, even though I think her husband was a co-author on the book with her. So here, when you talk about becoming wealthy, this is the idea of the transition to financial freedom. The idea when your assets reach a point where you don't need to accumulate wealth anymore, where your wealth starts to fund your lifestyle. And I think she just did an outstanding job in the first chapter of this book because she she has this, in chapter 50, um, first chapter of this book, first chapter of this section, she has this thing they talk about called the cash cushion and the yield shield. I'm not going to try to explain it to you. I'm going to let you read the book, let the book explain it to you, but this is on point because like most of us, myself included, she had these fears of moving from working for someone and having a steady paycheck to living off of her assets and understanding the risk that that presents and being a very conservative person by nature. She had to do things sort of formulaically, mathematically, to convince herself that she had set all the right pieces in place to avoid the risks that were going to happen to her portfolio. Spoiler, she did, and they did, and it worked, and it's great, but man, I, the, the, that concept alone, this idea of how to calculate a cash cushion and a yield shield in your portfolio, man, it, it, was, it, was, it just spoke to me. It was right on point with kind of how I for years now have been thinking about retirement planning and cash flow and all those things. The rest of the section, it, it goes into other parts of things that we've talked about before. They talk about sort of travel as a, as a means of a lifestyle. So not, not travel just for fun's sake, but this idea of being vagabonds of the world. So at the time of the writing of the book, her and her husband had left their job and had spent at, by this point three years traveling constantly they actually let go of the place they were living they put their stuff in storage they packed up their bags and they traveled around the world so they were living off of their assets they were traveling constantly staying in different places throughout the world sort of location arbitrage finding cheaper places to be and they were sort of doing their own thing probably working on this book some and after three years of doing that, she's reporting that her net worth had grown by 30% since they started that journey three years ago. So it's, it's a really remarkable story of the, the power of investing that we don't think about and the power of financial freedom that we don't think about. Now, there's some parts of this section that I guess don't really resonate with me. The travel bit is one of them. I certainly understand travel arbitrage and looking for cheaper places to live in your country or in the world. But the reality is I like living where I live. I like living where I want to live, not where it's financially beneficial to me to live. Now, there are caveats to that. I can't afford to live in San Francisco. That's just too expensive a place to be. But within reason, I could choose throughout the country to live where I want to live. And I, and I like having that freedom. That didn't resonate with me, but it was clearly important to her and her husband. And maybe it's important to you, and you should check it out. Another chapter, chapter 19, they talked about kids. And she, they, her and her husband at the time of this writing did not have children. And so 
the thoughts that they shared on this kind of travel arbitrage life and raising children and education and all that are sort of secondhand coming from people that they know. It's not terrible, but honestly, I, I just don't think it resonates with me because it's not coming from a place of deep knowledge. It's just an echoing of other people's sentiment without a deep understanding of what that means. And so that part of the book didn't really resonate with me, but the, the journey that got them here and the results of that are important. And I think, you know, the, in this section, the, the other thing that I think was kind of worth looking at is the idea that you need to go your own way, you know. There is a dark side to retirement. These are these are actually two of the chapter names. There's dark side to retirement and go your own way. The dark side to retirement is what you might not think about and what a lot of people kind of push shy if they're earlier in their career. But when you actually arrive somewhere and say, well, I've been working for a long time. I'm used to getting up and going to work. It's It's an integral part of my lifestyle. And when I suddenly don't have to do that anymore, I'm thrilled that I don't have to get up early and go to work. But how do I find meaning in my life if I've been so centered around work? That is a real problem, and it's faced by millions of people every day as they approach their inner retirement. And you need to be prepared for that and think about what you're going to do in that time. And then the go-your-own-way is really just what it sounds like. It's like you need to figure out the mechanisms that are going to bring you income. So to me, this is circling back to her early discussion, the first part of the book about her focus on how to gain income was based on education, earning, and saving. But she talks about three different ways that people generate income or wealth, and that they tend to only, all of us tend to only excel at one of these styles. Interestingly enough, my wife and I talked about this, one of the three styles, and I won't spoil them for you, I'll let you go read them in the book, but is the one that Christy and her husband were self-described as. It's also what my wife and I espoused to. We feel like we really identified with that part of the book in terms of that's our style. That's the way we like to think about investing as well. So all throughout, I mean, you know, like I said, first two sections, amazing. Third section, some parts of it, eh, they didn't really speak to me, but that doesn't mean they're bad. They just didn't hit me where I needed to be hit. They didn't bring me a message I needed to hear, so they may have bounced off me a little bit as a reader. I did actually read this book, for what it's worth. The previous two books that we talked about, I listened to them on Audible. This is a book I actually sat down and read. It was really good. It's, it's Again, it's called Quit Like a Millionaire by Christy Shen and Bryce Liang. So I want to kind of wrap this up. I want to talk about some pros and cons of the book, and I want to give it a rating. I really want to stand up and give it a rating this time and tell you why I gave it that rating. So the first thing is, from a pro perspective, because I want to start with the positive, there are some really important concepts in this book that she explains very simply. I really appreciate that. That's something I want to do on this podcast. That's something I try to do in everyday life, to take really complex financial concepts and break them down so that everyday people who aren't money nerds like me can understand them and get excited about them. The second thing that I think this, and I think this book does that really well, by the way, I think of all the financial books I've ever read, I'm going to put this in the top two or three for doing that. It's She's done a really good job here. The second thing is there are some big concepts and some practical advice. So the big concept stuff is 
the kind of thing that makes you go, wow, you know, I really didn't think about it that way. That's new. My home's not an investment. Tell me why you think that's the case. But then there's some practical advice, which is just straightforward, no nonsense, do X, do Y, do Z. And I think the book walks a great line between those two types of things. And then last, I agree personally with a lot of the positions that she offered. I think saving and investing are awesome things. I wouldn't be here talking to you about it if I didn't. I think that she hits the note really well in terms of, I don't even know how to describe it. I, I really just think that she hits a tenor that is the right level of information delivery without being overload. And I just can't stress that enough. It's really important to why I like the book so much. Now, like I said, the cons are sort of self-evident. Chapter 16 on the travel arbitrage stuff, chapter 19 on children, they didn't really resonate with me. Not because I don't want to travel, but I don't know that I want to travel full-time. Not because I don't have children, but my children are grown and they're on their own and, and they're not really pulling on me financially. So I'm just in a different phase of life. Maybe those chapters will resonate more with you. I don't know, but they're worth exploring. Having said all of that, I feel like I have to give this book five stars. Now, honestly and true, because of the sort of mild cons, I was compelled to say, oh, four and a half stars. But you know what? That's doing a disservice to the parts of the book that I like so much. I'm saying this is a five-star book. I'm saying that if you read this book and you are not getting any value out of the read, you just don't like money. <laughs> you don't like talking about it. And you might be best served just getting someone around you who you trust, who does like money to do it for you. Because, man, this is, this is good stuff. So that's it. The book again, Quit Like a Millionaire by Christy Shin and Bryce Luang. Lu I apologize to both Christy and Bryce if I'm mispronouncing their names. Quit Like a Millionaire, published copyright 2019, uh, available on Amazon or, or where all books are sold. I, I, I'm giving this book five stars. I think it's great. I think you're going to love it. I hope you try it and I hope it's a positive experience for you. So that's it. Until next time, please be kind to others, and I hope all of you have a great week. This podcast is not financial advice. We are not financial advisors. And content is for entertainment and educational purposes only. You should do your own research or consult a professional investment advisor before making any investment decisions. And, as always, thanks for listening to The Piggy Bank Chronicles.